right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sunshine and Brain podcast, where we have conversations about mental health in as down to earth and normal way possible. How's everybody doing out there? This year is uh, episode number twenty-five, the twenty-sixth episode of Sunshine and Brain. <laughs> uh, that's an old gag. I should, I should, I should bring it back. <laughs> If you scroll, if you scroll down a little bit or up, I guess depending on the platform that you're listening to this uh, podcast on, maybe it's down on all the platforms. I don't fucking know. But in any case, you'll see that there's the episode that kind of kicks things off. We call it episode zero, um, and uh, that was a shtick that like I kind of stuck with for a couple episodes here. Like, hey, this is episode number two, but it's actually the third episode. So you know, math. I don't, I don't really know how it works, but. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, this is uh, episode number 25, um, the 26th episode of Sunshine and Brain. It's been a couple weeks since I sat down and recorded, and uh, I've been actually thinking about this episode for a minute, like trying to figure out. I mean, I knew, like, the theme of this episode is a year in review, obviously. It was just the New Year's and, you know, getting started here in the 2021, which by the way, maybe, maybe because I'm old, that could be part of the reason, but 2021 just sounds and feels and reads like the future to me. Like a hundred percent just sounds and feels and reads like the future to me. Like, you know, if you would tell me that I would still be alive in the year 2021 and that I would step outside the door and look up at the sky and not see a sky filled with flying cars, I would have said you were bananas. Like back in 1988, you know, 1980s, which I remember because I was a child then, you would ask me like, what will 2021 be like? I would have said, you know, yeah, for sure flying cars, uh, self-tying shoelaces, obviously, a la Back to the Future. Which, by the way, Back to the Future, that movie, when Marty McFly goes to the future... Oh, wait, no. It's Back to the Future 2, because he goes to the past in Back to the Future. Back to the Future 2, he goes to the future. The year he goes to is 2012. And in their mind, <laughs> then... There were uh, hoverboards. Yeah, we had moved beyond skateboards. Shit was all about hoverboards. Yeah, no, we're, there's no hoverboards. They tried to invent a hoverboard, but it was like just a very strong magnet that could only stay on a track. So not a real hoverboard. But in any case, so it's 2021. It fucking feels like the future. So I wanted to sit down and kind of do another solo episode as like a year in review kind of deal, you know, looking back, thinking about what has happened, you know, in the world, how it's impacted folks, you know, emotionally, mentally. I mean, this this year, 2020, has kind of low-key, almost secretly, been uh, the year of mental health. You know, we're, we're talking about 2020 as the coronavirus year. Right. I mean, this is this is COVID year, even though it's COVID-19, meaning 2019. This is this is COVID year. Right. This is the 
this is the year that the world dealt with COVID and so many other things too, by the way, but that's the one thing that the entire world has dealt with this year is fucking COVID. But, and it is, it's the COVID year, right? It is, it totally is. But more than COVID, we've all had a mental health journey this year. You know, it's like as time has gone on, COVID itself has gotten sort of closer and closer to me personally, meaning, you know, and I don't know if this is sort of everyone's story here. I'm sure everyone experience, has experienced this a little bit differently, man. There are folks who I know who, who got COVID sort of right away or know people who got COVID right away. I mean, you know, introduce yourself to a health worker of any kind and they've, they've dealt with it immediately. And many, if not most of them have just had it at this point, you know, but like at this point now, you know, uh, knock on wood, as they say, nobody in my family, my immediate family has gotten COVID. Not one person in my immediate family has gotten COVID. So it hasn't quite entered like my intimate circle at this point. I know people who have gotten COVID. I know people who have children who have gotten COVID, but nobody in my immediate family have gotten COVID yet at this point, or my closest kind of friendship group, or even people in the families of my closest friendship group, except for, you know, a couple, like one friend who just had a, you know, a former mother-in-law uh, get COVID. So, you know, it hasn't entered the walls of the homes of the people closest to me in this way, but what has entered the walls of everyone's home are issues related to stress, anxiety, depression, you know, fear, right? All the things that are defined this year for everyone have been mental health issues. And we haven't really talked about it so much. I mean, we've talked about it, but as a culture, we haven't really talked about it so much. I, I have a tendency to sometimes kind of look at what's going on in the world and then guess certain things and figure that I'm probably right, but then not look it up to be sure because I don't necessarily want to be right. <laughs> and I, you know, I've mentioned one or two times on this podcast that I'm fairly certain that if we were to look it up, you know, the suicide numbers this year are just going to be much higher than uh, normal years. And, and, you know, as it stands, suicide is one of the, you know, in America, at least one of the leading killers of people, right? I mean, it tends to rank top three, top five causes of death, depending on how it is that you count it, right? Top three, top five causes of death behind cancer and car accidents, right? Suicide is sort of always up there. And we're not talking about a small number. I mean, we're talking about a large number, thousands upon thousands of people commit suicide every year, and even more people attempt suicide every year. And this is a year where, you know, we're coming towards the end of a very stressful political time. And we've all been stuck at home. A lot of people have lost jobs. So being stuck at home means a lot of different things. I mean, the, 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 Alcohol intake, for example, right? Rise in alcoholism, rise in drug abuse, a rise in 
you know, abusive relationships, people feeling trapped and all that stuff and the lives that they have. I mean, these are all things that have been happening. So what a year, you know, what a year. So I think in a way it's like, I've been kind of like dreading to sit down and try and record this episode. I was like, what do I, what do I fucking say? You know, like, how do I talk about what's been happening in a way that is down to earth and makes sense. Because <laughs> uh, it just seems so fucking crazy and doesn't feel like it makes much sense at all. So it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe maybe just talk about it and see see what comes out. I remember back in the day when I was first ordained a rabbi, my first gig as a rabbi was at the synagogue in Washington, D.C., this big, huge reform synagogue in Washington, D.C. And one of my responsibilities was, it was a because of such a huge synagogue, there were actually four, not, not just one, but four full-time rabbis there who were working with the community and population. And the way that we sort of covered everyone was by you know, sort of divvying up the community into groups. And then each of us became like the rabbinic liaison to these different groups. And so one of the groups that I worked with as a rabbi at the synagogue was a group called the Brotherhood. Most synagogues, most reform and conservative Jewish synagogues do have something called a Brotherhood, which is, you know, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an auxiliary club, an auxiliary club for men, right? It's a chance for men to get together and talk about man stuff and do man things and connect as men and all that jazz, which by the way is hilarious because my daughters and a lot of children in the world would kind of look at those types of things and be like, why do you live in such a binary reality? Boomer, you know, <laughs> like I'm not a boomer guys, Gen X, man, get it right. But in any case, yeah. So I was the rabbinic liaison for the auxiliary group in Washington, D.C. at the synagogue uh, that was the Brotherhood group. It was a group of guys. And one of the things that was nice about it is you get get a chance to strike up friendships and relationships with these really sort of cool and interesting people. And one of the guys that was on the board of Brotherhood was this awesome uh, college professor from the University of Maryland. And I used to love just to have conversations with the dude, you know, I mean, he he wanted to learn from me about Jewish stuff, which is, you know, fine. I'm happy to offer that stuff. But, you know, I wanted to learn from him about everything, just life and all that stuff. And it wasn't like he was a math professor. I mean, this, you know, it's like a sociology professor, (laughs) you know, it's like someone This is a real like humanities guy. So with shit to talk about and shit to say. And I was working at the synagogue actually when Hurricane Katrina hit. So what was that, 2005, 2006, something like that? And after Katrina hit, he and I went for this walk to this restaurant near the synagogue. And as we were walking, I'll never forget, he said, you know, I was sort of expressing my dismay at what I was seeing in the aftermath of what we were all seeing in the aftermath of Katrina. You know, a nation just, and leadership of a nation just blatantly not caring about a population in the city of New Orleans who was in dire needs and in an awful circumstance, but happened to be, you know, mostly black and mostly poor and the nation just not doing anything for them. 
you know. And we're walking, and I said to him, I was like, I'm just like, I can't believe it. You know, there's dead bodies in the streets. What nation is this? I don't understand where we're living that this is a reality of what's going on. And he said, you're right. And he said, disasters, natural disasters do a lot of things. It, they, they certainly kill people. They often bring people together. They can divide people. But one of the things that they do is they peel back and reveal hidden truths about the culture that you're living in. Sort of literally a hurricane peels back the roofs of, a, you know, of all structures and reveals sort of what's inside and hidden from everybody else. But all natural disasters have a way of doing that. Pandemic too, you know. So we look at kind of our year and we, you know, we, we see what's been peeled back, right? The virus could give a shit about who you are, how old you are, what your racial identity is, what your religion is, what your politics are. The virus could give a shit about any of that. Everybody, I mean, it's an equal opportunity virus. Anyone and everyone can get it, all right? Breathe in the wrong place, touch the wrong thing, put your hand to your mouth, and you've got it. And in terms of how intense the virus is for individuals, you know, that's a thing that's often decided by age, by your overall general health. You know, if you're older and obese, then, yeah, COVID can be really dangerous. If you're healthy and younger then it can be dangerous. But for the most part, you know, you'll get through it, right? But you have to have access to good health care. You have to have access to a hospital bed. You, you have to have access to insurance to take care of you, right? All those things. So what have we seen? A disproportionate amount of poor people, of minorities who are also often poor people in America dying, you know, here's that word again, disp disproportionately to the rest of the population, right? So what has COVID done on one level? It's peeled back the kind of continued inequalities in the way it is that our country is organized, right? in the way, that, way it is that our world, that our whole world is organized. It certainly peeled back, you know, just how utterly incompetent so many of our leaders are, and especially at the very top. I mean, I didn't need, and most people who align politically with me, for example, didn't really need a worldwide pandemic to know that Trump was an in, is an incompetent president, you know, and not just incompetent, but evil, right? whose purpose and sort of vision is to divide for the sake of his own power and wealth and gain, right? That's like who he is and what he does. And I did not need a pandemic to reveal that to me, right? But it comes along anyway.
and peels back the roof, the layer that is kind of hiding just how utterly incompetent it is, he is, you know, and just how awful of a president he's been and just how, you know, important it is to at least elect someone in office who like knows what they're doing, right? Can maneuver the political landscape of DC to make sure that like fucking things happen. Right? <laughs> like I didn't need a pandemic to show me that, but here it is and it came and holy fuck. I can't I I can't believe it. You know, it's like there are so many people who um had said about him all these years, like, well, he's a successful businessman, which by the way, I mean, come on, like I'm a New Yorker. You drive around Manhattan and you certainly see a lot of Trump buildings, Trump towers, Trump hotel. I mean, that name, yes, it's around, right? You see that in New York, but New Yorkers also know what the story is with him. We know the deal. You know, there is a lot of people in New York who were born with a fucking silver spoon in their mouth and then, you know, parlay that into more money somehow, right? Or more opportunity. But in the meantime, Trump famously, famously has been a person who's, you know, squandered millions upon millions of dollars, been millions upon millions of dollars in debt, you know, and just as a highly problematic human being. I mean, he's in construction, right? This is like what he does. So it's quite one thing as um, CEO for a company to be a leader in the way that he's a leader, which is to say, not a leader, but just a highly problematic megalomaniac type person who's just you know, it's like, you better do your job well, because if you don't, you're going to have to fucking deal with this guy. So what do you do? You do your job well. So you don't have to fucking deal with that guy. It's just like kind of kind of what it's about. But these are not the skills that then translate to a solid president. <laughs> you know, like, CEOs are not really about compromise. And government's about compromise. You know, you you have to be willing to plug your nose and work with people who you find to be awful. You have to be willing to agree to do certain things that you disagree with in order to get things done that you think are more important than the things that you disagree with. You have to be willing to give in politics and leadership in general, especially when you're leading people. You have to be willing to give, you know, and he's not capable of doing that. In a, in a way, you know, as a person who has been diagnosed with a mental illness, as we have discussed, you know, he, um, he kind of puts a bad name on us. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. I, I, like, after a couple of years, I was like, fuck. Someone's going to pass a law that says that, you know, you can't run for president if you've never been diagnosed with, you know, unless you've, you can't run for president if you've been diagnosed with mental illness, you know, <laughs> like you have to be of a certain age, you have to be a, you know, naturalized American citizen born on American soil and uh, a clean bill of mental health. 
I, you know, it's not that I disagree with that. It's just that I know that, you know, most, pretty much all the presidents we've ever had have got mental issues. Why the fuck would you want to do that job in the first place? I mean, come on. Who, who in the right mind wants to do that job in the first place? Well, again, nobody, nobody, nobody in their right mind wants to do that job. Right. So automatically we're kind of disqualifying certain things, but you know, like look back in history, some of the greatest presidents that ever were, were pretty seriously afflicted. I think we've talked about Abraham Lincoln on this podcast. I mean, he was famously morbidly depressed. If he wasn't assassinated, you know, I really wonder if he would have lived his full life. I mean, you know, the stress of being the president during the one and only civil war that has been fought as a nation, where all of the dead are American dead. I think more if you include, obviously, people who fought for the South. I mean, there were more Americans who died in the Civil War than any other war that we ever fought in. And it wasn't like there were as many Americans then as there are now. I mean, it was like a significant percentage of the population there died. And a lot of that was on his shoulders. So uh, it's one of those great kind of what-if questions. You know, if, if he wasn't assassinated, oof. Would Lincoln have been the first president to commit suicide? Maybe the only president to commit. I wonder, did any other president commit suicide? I feel like we would know if there was one that did. I think we would know. So, I, you know, I'm not certain. I'm, I need to look that up. But I'm pretty sure that we would know if there was one that did. So I don't think anyone has. He might have been the one and only president to commit suicide. And he's known as, you know, many people who think he was the greatest president of all time. Certainly Obama's favorite president of all time. You know, famously Obama's favorite president of all time. So it's just fascinating. You know, it's just, it's just fascinating. So yeah, man, I mean, this has been, if we were going to entitle this year in an appropriate theme, you might call this the COVID year or social justice year or maybe Black Lives Matter year, right? You could kind of go in all that direct, all those different directions if you wanted to. And all those, all those names would be totally valid and understood and all that stuff. But honestly, I think probably the thing that we all have in common is that it's a mental health year. Everyone has had to try and figure out, huh, I mean, how to make it, you know, how to, how to distance yourself from people who you love, how to shut yourself in and not go out, how to face intense fear, how to make your way through the unknown, you know, all those things. That's maybe part of what it is to live history. you know, like, this is like, this is a year that's going to be in the history books. There'll be things in the history books, you know, like 2001, September 11th, like, that's that's an event that is a history book event. You know, when in in a flash, 
one morning, the whole world is changed. You know, the whole world is changed. And the impact of September 11th and the following years, I mean, continues to today. There are wars still being fought today that we can link back really easily to September 11th, 2001. Fucking 20 years later, right? All those things that can link back. Maybe we look back at the election of Barack Obama as a, as an incredibly historic moment. The first African-American president. You know, that's, that's, that's an incredible thing. And it's a, it's, a, it's a moment in history that when you live it, you know you're living it. It's like, yes, this is a day. This is a time that's going to be in the history books. We are going to remember this, you know. But like, you know, the eight years of his presidency, it's like, yeah, there were scandals, there were difficult things and all that stuff, but Jesus Christ, nothing like this. Holy cow. You know, it's a worldwide pandemic. I mean, this, this shit is something, something different. So yeah, 2020, man, it's a year for the history books for sure. And it's not always, you don't always get the feeling like you're living history. You know, that's not always there. Entire years can go by and it's like, oh, I'm not sure that anything from these years are going to be like in the main history narrative, you know, <laughs> like, like what happened in this year that like, we're all going to kind of know that that's what happened in that particular year. No, it's like, eh, not much. No, no, no. Yeah. That's not 2020. 2020 is a, is a year. 2020 is a hundred percent like a year. So what has it been for you? You know, I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting and pretty much everyone I talk to agrees to this is that when you think back to, you know, just a year ago, January, 2020, when the year just first started, I mean, it feels to me like 15 years ago, just the whole way that time has passed. I mean, think of it this way, like I can... Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash in February, right? Just a little bit under a year ago. I mean, that, that to me feels like it happened 15 years ago at this point. It does not feel like it happened just less than a year ago. Like really, really, it feels like that happened 15 years ago. So much has happened between now and then. You know, it's like amazing. And at the same time, it's like just the way that time is moving forward, like so slow, so fast, can't keep track of it. You know, I've heard it said that Groundhog's Day, that movie with Bill Murray is like the perfect pandemic movie. (laughs) This is what every day has been like, this fucking Groundhog's Day. But also not... You know, oh, it's mentally exhausting. Uh, the way I feel right now, and I was talking to Andre about this earlier. Andre's like, I, I need to go into the woods and just fucking scream. I'm like, yeah, I get that. That'd be terrifying, by the way. Uh, that dude's voice is so deep. Like, <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> just like chilling out, and then I just heard someone off in the woods going, ah. <laughs> I'd move. I'd move immediately. Like, fuck this house. I'm out. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. Yeah, if I heard that shit, I'd be gone. <laughs> I'd be gone. Anyway. No, the point is, is that it's both of us are just like <sighs> sick of it. I mean, me personally, I feel like it's like I'm in a constant dull panic with the potential to degenerate, to degenerate, to de, I don't know, to turn and to escalate into full on, you know, hardcore panic at any moment with just a thing. I was like swimming laps yesterday and I was doing the kickboard thing and it's been cold and I haven't swam as much in the past couple of weeks because it's been so cold that, uh, you know, I'm like not in the same swim shape that I was like a month ago. And I was doing my kickboard part of my regiment and I just was out of breath. And when I kickboard, I kind of like do some with my head under and then I pop up and take a breath and some with my head under and I pop up and take a breath. And man, I, I, it was like something about being breathless reminded my brain of, oh, hey, breathless, that feels a lot like an anxiety attack. Let's give you an anxiety attack right now. So I'm like trying to swim across the pool and it just feels like the walls are closing in on me. Like I can't breathe and the walls are closing in on me. It's like this, this constant state of panic that's just there. You know, and honestly, it's because it's just been fucking relentless. I mean, not just for me, but for everybody. Like life gives you enough stress as it is. It does not take much to like just look around and make a list of the shit in your life that is just sort of stressful, right? You got kids, raising kids, that's stressful. Got a job, doing well on your job. That's stressful. You got bills to pay. That's stressful. Right? I mean, all these things in normal life that are just stressful. Add fear of sickness into the mix. Sickness, death, you know, two of the five most stressful things that happen in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's an added layer of stress. Relationships, right? Partnerships. All the things that we have to do, it's just layers and layers of stress. And that's challenging for everyone. You know, for me personally, what adds to it are a number of different things. I mean, I started out 2020 essentially not knowing it, but maybe having a bit of a feeling about it in the kind of soon-to-be throes of a pretty intense emotional breakup. Well, it's like going into January, I was in this relationship that was about two years long, a little over two years. And it wasn't going great. No, there's certain challenges that we were facing and things like that. February, I ended the relationship. So I'm coming up on a year anniversary of, of that, you know, of ending that, that relationship, man, that was a, 
that was such a tough breakup. I mean, you know, you, you want to talk panic attacks and, oh God, I remember the first day after it, it was like the day after, and I woke up in the morning, kind of amazed that I had fallen asleep in the first place, basically cried myself to sleep and then woke up in the morning and I couldn't stay in my apartment. And so I, you know, sort of went through my apartment. I found like a bunch of shit that was mine, but reminded me of her and I needed it out of my apartment. And so I went through, I gathered all that shit. I'm talking like t-shirts that she had either bought for me or that I had bought because I thought, you know, she, I thought that she would think I looked good in them. Um, I'm talking, you know, like various kinds of like sex toys and things like that. (laughs) You've been playing with, I'm talking everything. And I threw out a bunch of shit and I kept stuff that I could save and donate and got in my car and drove, you know, 40 minutes to the only Salvation Army that I knew exactly where it was. I'm sure there was a Salvation Army site closer to me, but I went to that one because I knew where it was. Dropped off the shit there, got in my car, went to the beach, walked on the beach for like an hour, got back in my car, drove home, and it was fucking 9 (laughs) a.m. Like I had done all that stuff, and it was 9 a.m. still at that time. (laughs) I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a long day. And it was. This is a long ass day. Took me a couple days to kind of figure out, oh man, I should probably journal. And I started doing a journal on my computer. And next thing you know, I was like, you know, 70,000 words into it. (laughs) Which is basically book length journal, you know, it was like four four days I had written 30,000 words already. Like, okay. Well, at least it's passing the time. <laughs> Put the computer on my lap and start typing. And then next thing you know, it's like an hour and a half has gone by. So that's pretty good. Clearly I had shit to get out. So you know, that's like, what was going on then? Ugh. It wasn't much later that I was like reaching out to friends to reconnect with people and to kind of find my community and, you know, get the companionship that I needed. And, and then I had that conversation with Eric where he told me about Perry Veritas and told me about the podcast that he was working with and encouraged me to come up with a couple of podcast ideas. And next thing you know, we're starting to develop sunshine and brain. You know, so it was a little over a year ago that this project started, which by the way, I could do more than 26 episodes in a year. You know, I should up the ante on that, but in any case, like that was, That was kind of where that was at right afterwards. And then, you know, the pandemic hit. And it hit hard. You know, just that day. I remember, you know, everyone kind of realized, oh, fuck, it's here. And people started transitioning to, you know, being home if you could. Working from home. I'm doing that stuff. I think it was like March 13th or 14th that my firm made that transition. 
So we're all in the office. We all know what's going on. We're going to be working from home. It's this crazy panic kind of thing. We're all standing close. Nobody's wearing masks, but we're like shaking hands with our elbows, you know, doing the elbow touch to shake hands or like touching our feet together. Like, you know, doing it like that. I was going to say like the kid in play dance, but there's no way any of you knows what the kid in play dance is. (laughs) Kid in play was a hip hop group back in the eighties, maybe early nineties. They had a couple of movies called House Party, and it was a hip-hop group. They were not great rappers, but they were dancers. And they had this dance where they would kind of come together and click their feet together a couple times and back up and then come back together and click their feet together. I don't know. It was just, that was the dance that they did. But anyway, so yeah, shaking hands like you're a kid in play, you know, (laughs) tapping your feet together or whatever. I mean, just kind of going about it like that. And... I remember stopping at the grocery store on the way home and it looked like a scene from an apocalypse movie. There was like no toilet paper left. People are lined up around the corner trying to grab what they can to then get home and have what they can sort of marveling at what we were hoarding and why, like, why do you need all this toilet paper? What is the plan? (laughs) Do you feel like the pandemic is going to give you the shits? Because I don't think that's a symptom. (laughs) So just that whole like fucking experience and then going home. And like looking at this year from that, it's like, man, like I can't believe it's almost been a full year of this kind of self-isolation, social distance, working remotely from home deal. And in the craziest ways, I feel like it's like just life has been sort of put on hold because of that. But in other crazy ways, it's like I feel like I and so many people have grown kind of exponentially, right? I mean, so much more than we would have in a normal year. This trauma has a way of getting people to grow. Trauma also has a way of getting people to shrink. I mean, it does both, but that's sort of, sort of what trauma does. For me, a lot of the drama of, you know, pandemic has been found in fatherhood, certainly trying to navigate helping, you know, my children just to be as healthy as possible and to navigate this situation themselves which is really hard, especially when as a parent, you yourself don't know what the answers are. You know, you yourself don't know how to navigate a thing. And our kids are looking at us to be like, you know, how do we navigate this? And it's like, I've I've never done a pandemic before, guys. (laughs) Sorry, I don't really know. Feeling like at the very beginning, it was going to be like maybe a three month thing at most, you know, It's going to be a year and a half probably when all is said and done. Meeting people and feeling their fears for losing jobs and trying to figure out what they, I mean, all those things, you know. And I, of course, went down the path of, uh, you know, trying to find love and navigating that, which, by the way, 
if you have a choice and you're like starting to date, you know, I don't, I don't recommend doing it during a pandemic. It's just, you're not getting people at their best, generally speaking. <laughs> Everybody's terrified, which is like not a great time to be trying to find love and connect with people. <laughs> it's one of those things. But hey, it's what was. And so, you know, I'm sort of going for it. Making a couple of friends, you know, you know, Kathleen, she has her own episode. I mentioned her a lot. Another friend I made from it as well. So that's been great, you know, connecting with Andre, you know, but this is an old friend of mine and we talk a lot, but we've kind of reconnected during the pandemic in a way that we hadn't in a while. And that's really nice and special. I mean, we, we text most days, not every day, but most days we're messaging each other. And if we don't hear from each other in a little bit, it's like, let's just check and make sure everyone's okay. You know, he does it for me and I do it for him on occasion too. So it's, you know, it's like, having all those pieces, you know, trying to make myself vulnerable for relationships at a time that is extra vulnerable anyway. Right. I mean, these are things that are really scary. And, and, and if you've been listening to the most recent episodes, you'd know that, you know, yeah, I kind of got my ass kicked by a relationship about two months ago and had to deal with it in a pretty significant way for a good chunk of time there. So all that stuff has been crazy, crazy challenging, crazy, crazy challenging. And if you're anything like me, you're heading into 2021 with scars, man. I mean, how can you not be? I had this little conversation between me, Andre and Kathleen, we were not debating, but mostly agreeing, you know, just kind of like a philosophical conversation. What's worse being a hateful Trump supporter? Like not all Trump supporters are hateful people, but what's worse being a hateful Trump supporter or being apolitical? You know what I mean? Like what's worse being um, being a person who wants to divide people and spread hate and stand for awful things like racism and, you know, all that kind of stuff, or, you know, not having any political opinion whatsoever. <laughs> like just being totally neutral in this political climate. What's worse between those two things? <clears throat> I'm not, honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of oscillating. I'm not entirely sure. There are times I'm just like, oh, it's way worse to be a racist than it is to be neutral about racists. But then it's like, dude, how can you be neutral about racists? You know, that just kind of seems worse. I don't know. Anyway, so the point, (laughs) the point is like, it's just crazy. You know, it's just crazy in terms of, what we've been uh, dealing with and what we've been sort of going through here. So yeah, man, layers of scars off of 2020, definitely layers of scars off of 2020. And here's the thing throughout the entire experience of 2020. So many of of us, myself included, are just 
really looking forward to 2021. Like, dying for it. You know, fiending for 2021. When the fuck will it get here? Now it's here. And there still really isn't that much different from 2020. You know, still got the same president a couple more weeks. I am not the biggest Biden fan. He got my vote. But as I've mentioned before on the podcast, he's just another white man in his 70s who has raped in his life. So I I don't like having him as president. He's just sort of a different side of the same coin for me comparing him to Trump. He's just a better side of the same coin for me in comparison to Trump. Or maybe we should say Trump is a worse side of the coin for me in comparison to Biden. Right? That's where that at. So I don't really feel all that different with this new president. I don't think that we are exactly in much better hands with this new president. You know, I don't get that feeling. And yeah, there's approved vaccines out there that are beginning. And there's just a hierarchy of who's getting them first. Health workers first, aged and at risk, immunocompromised people second, right? Essential workers as well, they need to get vaccinated. Man, a person like me, I'm still looking at a few months before I can get my vaccines. We were looking at like May at the earliest, probably June, maybe even July, right? There's a whole other like half a year before... I'm out of this situation. So it's just kind of stretching on. Me personally, I still haven't found the love of my life yet. (laughs) I was kind of hoping hoping to get that done by now, you know. (laughs) As it turns out, you can't really really pencil that into your schedule. You know, you can't be like, on this day, I'm going to meet the love of my life. Or maybe I have met her. I just don't know at this moment yet that she's the love of my life. All right. That's possible too. But you still, you can't pencil that in your calendar either. You know, like on this day, I will know that such and such person is the love of my life. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, so I'm like, (laughs) what do I do with this year? You know? It's just crazy. This is crazy. I don't remember if I made New Year's resolutions heading into 2020. I think I did. I think I did. I think one of them was to get into better shape. So I wasn't feeling like I was in great shape coming into 2020. So I did actually I did actually achieve that one. I did do that one. I don't remember if I had any other resolutions, to be honest. I'm pretty sure, at least at the beginning of the pandemic, I was just like, fuck resolutions. (laughs) My New Year's resolution is to survive 2020. That's the resolution. And heading into 2021, I was like, man, fuck resolutions. (laughs) I don't want it. I don't want to do it. I'm not doing resolutions. It's just, you know, what's that saying? God... You know, humanity plans and God laughs, right? So I'm, I'm like 
set forward resolutions and, and then, you know, it's going to be like something worse that happens. And then I, you know, it's just like, well, I'm not going to fulfill this one. Look, if weight loss is a plan, if that's your resolution, then the apocalypse is like a great, I, I hear that the apocalypse diet is one of the best ways to lose weight. <laughs> You know, just go on the road and scavenge for the rest of your life. You're not going to believe it. You'll have a six-pack within half a year. Also, barely enough strength to walk. But, you know, whatever. It's still a good weight loss program. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. It's like you make New Year's resolutions and then heading into the year, it's like something can happen in the year and then everything just becomes basically fucking bunk. You know, like that you're just not going to achieve any of it because the year is too bananas. But then I was thinking about it, and I was like, no, I'll make some New Year's resolutions. Why not? They're not really promises to yourself to do a thing, and if you don't do it, then you suck. Like a New Year's resolution is, it's, it's hope, right? And that's what it is. It's hope that, like, you're going to go into this year, and you're going to achieve things, and you're going to experience things that are good. And you're going to be closer to happy than maybe you are right now. Right? And there's nothing wrong with, like, wanting to have that feeling of hope. You know, there's really nothing wrong with, like, making a resolution, even though you know you might not achieve it. But making it in a way that is representative of sort of a mindset of, I believe that this year is going to be better than last year. And... While it's not that hard to imagine a year that's better than 2020, that's a relatively easy train of thought to put yourself on. At the same time, it's also not that hard to imagine a worse year than 2020. You don't have to be like such a history buff to know that there's such a thing as worst years than 2020. So it's not that hard to imagine 2021 could be harder. God for fucking bit. But it's not that hard to imagine that. But that's like New Year's Eve is about that sense of hope, you know? <sighs> New Year's Eve was so fucking creepy too at the same time. <laughs> this past New Year's Eve was ridiculous. I ha I was going to hang out with a friend, but because of... Well, I mean, originally I was going to hang out with my sister and her family. But then out here in California, COVID numbers are spiking like, uh, you know, like crazy. And so my sister and I decided that we couldn't, we couldn't spend time together for New Year's or anything over break. And, um, you know, I just haven't seen any friends either. So it's like, you know, just like when my girls aren't here, I'm kind of all alone. You know, so yeah, New Year's Eve was alone. I was like texting people and talking with people and things like that. But yeah, fucking New Year's Eve was alone. It's pretty, it's pretty crappy feeling. I did not watch the ball drop in New York City because I was like, this is going to be creepy. This Times Square without any people in it. I since went back and I watched the YouTube video of it. And yeah, it's pretty fucking creepy. It was like you could like make out the individual voices counting down the numbers to, 
two years. And it was so quiet. Good Lord. That was, I mean, yeah, I wasn't going to watch that live. I saw it and it was like, ooh, this is creepy. (sighs) I can't wait to be out of it. So yeah, ultimately I decided to make some New Year's resolutions. And here are a couple of them. One, I'm in good shape right now because of the swimming, although I've lost some of it in the past few weeks because I haven't been swimming as much, but I've got a good foundation. I'd like to lose 15 pounds. That's one resolution. I want to get to my happy weight, (laughs) which for me is like 210. You know, so I want to lose about 15 pounds to get to my happy weight. So that's one New Year's resolution. Low significance, but still important to me. I want to help my children to transition from pandemic time to non-pandemic time. Sort of to transition out of quarantine and back into real life again. You know, that's going to be a tough transition. I've said it before, I just seriously underestimated how long it was going to take, but there's no question in my mind that transitioning out of the pandemic is going to be harder than transitioning into the pandemic. It's just, that's just how it always works. You know, anxieties follow us. So transitioning out is going to be a lot harder. It's going to be harder for my girls. For my children, it's like, you know, If you've got anxiety as a kid and you've been able to hide out in your bedroom for over a year, that's a really comfortable place to be. And, but you got to get out of your bedroom. You got to get out of your apartment. You got to get out of your house. You got to get back at school. You got to be with your friends in person. You have to get back to living life. I don't know. Like for me, the hope is, is that a couple years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, you know, I and all the other current adults will be able to look back at 2020 and just sort of feel like it's like a, like a blip on the screen, basically. Like, remember that? That was weird. <laughs> what was that all about? Whew, thank God most of the years were not like that, you know. But for children, this shit is formative, man. You know, it's happening to them at a formative age. So it's going to have a big impact on their personalities and who they are and how they see the world and what they see is wrong with the world and what they see is right with the world and what they think needs to be fixed and all that kind of stuff, you know, like that shit. It's all there. Like definitely part of it. So... I don't really know how to help my children to come out of this in a way that is going to be as healthy and good for them as possible. I don't know how to return them to normal life in a way that will be as good as possible. Like, I just don't know. And I think if you're a parent and you think that you do know, you're probably lying to yourself because you don't fucking know. There's... Too much unknown. So trying to figure out how to balance that 
and trying to figure out how to best assist them, all that stuff. I mean, it's really hard to know, really, really hard to know how to do it. That's another resolution to help my children transition to normal life, transition out of pandemic and into normal life. It's a constant grind for me in terms of mental health stuff, right? It's the third resolution, right? To continue to work in therapy, to continue to work on my depression and on my anxiety, right? To continue to work on that stuff and to continue to make progress. I mean, so I can make that resolution every year and fulfill it. And it's another one from this year too. I mean, I've done, I've made a lot of progress and sort of to continue down that path is something that you know, obviously is important to me. That's another New Year's resolution of mine. Right. So these are things that I'm kind of thinking about trying to figure out how to navigate. I've decided that January is going to be uh, no soda month. <laughs> I drink way too much fucking soda. Root beer, especially. I love root beer. Oh God, I love root beer. But um, I'm just curious, you know, like, if I stop drinking soda for a month, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> like, what's that going to feel like? I'm, I'm really curious about that. So I'm going to check that out this month and see what that's all about. I kind of mess around with stuff like that on occasion. Like, I, I, I don't drink alcohol because um, I just don't. Like, I never developed a taste for it, you know. And then I have uh, my paternal grandfather was, was an alcoholic and... I love my dad. And so, you know, although my parents both love beer, you know, I, I just never developed a taste for alcohol because of that. Like I just didn't. And so, you know, that was like, that was, you know, something that, that I, you know, sort of developed, but I have nothing against it. Like I'm not uncomfortable around or anything else. In fact, I have nothing against inebriation, you know, smoking marijuana is something that I've done for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I'm like, let's not smoke any weed this January either. <laughs> this is like no soda. What is it? There's a, like, I think, uh, sober October is like a thing that people sometimes do. So this is my, uh, my sober January. No, um, no soda, no weed, you know, let's just, uh, let's just, be clean this month and flush everything out and see how I feel. So that's something I got going on this month. We'll see how long that lasts, but definitely for all of January, it's something I'm doing. And uh, yeah, so just kind of trying to figure shit out. So I don't know, man. 2020, what do you do with experiences like this? You know, do you just toss it away? and try not to be affected by it and then just move on? Or do you put your shoulder into it? Like really embrace it, you know, just all of it, the trauma, everything, just embrace it and don't move on. You know what I mean? Like really live it, embrace it and think very seriously about it and the impact it's had on you, the pain of it and all that stuff. You know, what do you do there? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I suspect that it's a combination of both. You know, 
Like there are times where you got to put your shoulder into it and really feel it. Everything that's awful and hard about this year. And then there are times where you just have to back off, distract yourself from it, anything and everything that you could do to not think about how utterly crazy this year has been, you know? I think it's probably a mixture of both. And knowing when and how to do that, you know, it's probably an art. And everyone's going to know for themselves, you know, what they need and the best way to kind of get at it. As for me, I don't know. I don't know. I have less answers than I did when I first started 2020. That might not be a bad thing. It might be a good thing. I have less confidence in my voice now than in some ways I did in the beginning of 2020 in terms of what I think I knew and what I thought I understood about humanity as a whole and individuals, generally speaking. You know, I've lost track of the amount of times I've connected with a person thinking that they were one thing and finding out later that they were something else. This year, I've kind of lost track of how many times that's happened. And yeah, so it's a pretty significant shot to the confidence. But I'm also engaged with my emotions now in ways that I wasn't before, you know, whereas, you know, before, if I'm going through a difficult breakup, for example, if I have my heart broken, God, I mean, there's going to be suicidal thoughts. There's going to be all kinds of bullshit going on in, in the depressive brain, right? That's all going to be there. But like in that, in the breakup that happened in October, like I didn't have any suicidal thoughts connected to that. Like, what's that all about? You know, I would have expected that they would have come, but they haven't. Not in the immediate aftermath of that. I mean, I, I, I have thoughts, but it didn't happen in the way that I expected it would in a situation like that. Like, whoa, why am I not having these thoughts right now? And the answer is, is because of all the work that I've done. Because I've connected myself to emotions that are real. You know, I've allowed myself to be mournful and to grieve. And I've allowed myself to feel anger. And to not try and hide those things with depressive and anxious thoughts as I've done for so many years. Right? It's like a sign that what I'm doing is working. And so that's pretty triumphant. And I'm not sure I would have known that were it not for how challenging this year has been. I, you know, those like weird truisms about like, it's all in the attitude. Attitude is the best latitude or whatever, <laughs> whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck. Those things are such bullshit. <laughs> 
the best ability is availability. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> These things are such bullshit. People who say things like the best ability is availability are the same kind of people who say the phrase at the end of the day. Do you know, <laughs> you know those people? A lot of times they're football players or athletes. You know, at the end of the day, the best ability is availability. Really? At the end of the day, that's what that's all about. <laughs> What does that even mean at the end of the day? Nobody says at the end of the day just once and it leaves it, by the way. If, so, if there's a person who says, you know, at the end of the day, the best ability is availability. Well, I guarantee you, you can play a drinking game to how many times they say at the end of the day and we'll have to be hospitalized <laughs> because you will be experiencing a significant level of blood alcohol poisoning. Anyway, <laughs> I have uh, I have turned loopy. A little over an hour into this recording, I'm turning loopy. I'm searching for the perfect finish, people. Got to bring it. Got to bring it to an end in a good way. Or not. Or not. You know who says I have to? Right. This is 2021, the year that we finally enter the future. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing, just in life in general. Just kind of trying to feel my way around, I think, like everybody else. No, I'm not really wiser, but maybe I'm just kind of progressing along in as best a way possible, forgiving myself when I can't progress as much as I would like to, trying to feel the pain when I, you know, experience it, try to find some joy if it's possible. Try to make connections, connect with people, and to be as connected as possible. And keep a good close eye on myself and the people who I love the most. As we hopefully transition out of this nonsense in the next uh, few months or so. Year in review, man. 2020. I saw there's a documentary that's playing in different places right now. On, I just watched it on Netflix called Death to 2020. It's a mockumentary. It's a mockumentary. You know, with like real actors and comedians who are playing fake people, like Samuel L. Jackson is playing a New York Times reporter. Uh, Tracy Ullman is playing the Queen of England. Hugh Grant is playing like a like a racist college professor or something like that. I mean, that's like what it is, and it's like the year in review. And when I first heard of it, I was like, no way, I'm not watching this shit. I fucking lived it. I don't need to like review all this stuff again. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, all right, fine, I'll watch it. It's funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So I recommend it. It's a pretty crazy, you know, review of the year. I mean, do you realize this is the same year that Australia half burned down? That feels like 12 years ago. What the fuck, man? What a weird year. Anyway, but this is the year that, you know, started this podcast. Well, that's kind of cool. Right? I'm not sure what it says about the podcast, but this is the year that we started it. So, you know, if I'm still doing it 10 years from now in 2030, I'll look back and say, hey, 20, uh, 2020 is where it, is where it all where it all began. So that's a good thing to come out of this too. Uh, speaking of the podcast, as usual, you know, uh, I hope you like this episode. I hope you have a chance to share this with as many people as possible. Please like and review this if you can, and please subscribe if you can. I've uh, got a couple of interviews I'm working on, working to record a new episode with Andre over the weekend, as well as another potential interview that I'm working on there too. 
a couple more interviews I wanted to get to. And as I mentioned, a few episodes, once I get through these next couple of interviews, I'm going to look back and start, you know, sort of reconnecting with folks that we've already had on the pod to see how they're doing and everything else. You know, we'll try to see a recording on episode with Ben, for example, with Kenny, you know, with all those folks to sort of see how their year has been and what's been going on and get that perspective too. So I'm looking forward to upcoming episodes. In any case, thank you so much for your time. As always, thanks so much for listening. And uh, looking forward to the next step. Peace.